You guys did good with the whole setting down thing. That was excellent. Good morning. So you guys doing all right? You having fun? Yes. Yes? Thank you, Dan Burns. Having fun. The only one here having fun this morning. Uh, the kids are over there having fun. That's awesome, isn't it? The teeter-totters? We should be over there. <laughs> or the sand pit over here? That's fun. Um, well, hey, good morning. We're glad you're here with us this morning. Like Dan said, we were at the town board. We're like, let's just keep hanging out. <laughs> we're like, this is worship, isn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, but we're glad that you guys are here this morning. Um, there was one more thing. What was it? Does anyone know? All right. So I heard, Dan, that we were going to be promoting camp this morning. And I wore my camp shirt. And I was all ready for the big camp promotion. And we haven't talked about camp at all. So, yeah, what is, what's going on with camp? What are the dates? 16th to the 20th of July. Fifteenth then. Fifteenth to the twentieth. Yeah, fifteenth is a Sunday. So, very cool. Junior junior camp. And um, ten bucks off before July first. And you know what the cost is on the camp? I don't remember. One thirty. One thirty before. One forty after. If my wife's wrong, I will be so happy. No, I'm kidding. I love it when she's right. I love it when you're right. I'm just playing, Chris Ann. She's usually right. That's why I would love it. <laughs> was she right? Yep. See, of course she was right. There you go. That's why I listen to her, folks. All right. <laughs> no Father's Day gift for me. All right. Well, hey, by the way, dads, happy Father's Day. We do this. We hope you enjoy this. Most of the guys I talked to this morning are like, this is, can we do it every week like this? That's what we'd like to do every week from now on. Um, so we can't. <laughs> but... Uh, but anyway, we're glad to do it this morning for Father's Day, celebrating um, the gift of fathers and um, all they mean to us. Speaking of which, this morning when Keith Burns came in, he asked, he said, you know, on Father's Day, do any of us think to thank the Heavenly Father? And uh, that's why we've come today is to worship God, our Creator. As a matter of fact, you know, this morning we were talking, can you imagine the, you know, just the, the gift we've been given in this world that God's provided for us? And do we say thanks for that? Uh, to our Heavenly Father, and so I think that's something very worth doing. As a matter of fact, we're going to start the service off differently than most, um, because some of you who are schedule-oriented will know this is the third Sunday, right? And at Family Bible Church, on the third Sunday, we do something called communion. We're going to start with that this morning, but I wanted to remember it differently maybe today, because I remember uh, the story. It's from 1 Corinthians. It's Paul's teaching. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. This is what Paul writes to the churches. This is all the churches. And he just says this to us. For the thing that I received from the Lord, I also now pass on to you. The, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Now listen to the words. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it says in the same way he took a cup after the supper. And he said, This cup is a covenant, a new promise in my blood. And every time you do this, whenever you drink of it, remember me. And these simple words that we have from Paul in 1 Corinthians remind us of the importance of communion, the importance of recognizing Christ in our midst. And Jesus is setting and he's, he's euchristoing. It's what the word actually means, it says. And it literally means that he's taking bread that they had just been eating and he's breaking it. 
And he's saying, this is my body. And what struck me about it this morning is that, I don't know if uh, when you sat down, I hope you got to eat, but did you recognize this morning in the breaking of the bread, God's presence? I think a lot about um, the role of dads in the home. One of my favorite times for our family is when we gather at our table. I I remember whenever I was a young married man and didn't have children yet, I went to my wife's grandparents' house. (laughs) That's why we don't have nice things. (laughs) And, uh, And her grandfather was sitting at the head of the table, and he had all of his children and grandchildren there, and and I think maybe a few grandchildren, maybe a couple, one or two. And I just remember seeing, I'm like, wow, what a a gift uh, to him to be able to sit at that table and enjoy that. And so myself and my own family, I I get that pleasure of sitting and enjoying it. So this morning, I want to do communion a little differently, and um, I'm going to pass these around. And just, it's going to take a minute, but just take one out of there and pass that around. I, I don't know if when we're doing it normally, if we are paying attention to Christ in it. I think about what, what we often do at our house. I don't know if you're like us, but we do something. We say, who's going to say grace, right? Who's going to say grace tonight? And usually every head is bowed and every eye is closed at that time. Or he goes, nose goes, as we do that sometimes. And I think of it like, why do we call it grace? What is it about being a family and sitting at a table? What is it about Jesus sitting with his disciples the night before he's going to be betrayed and breaking bread and saying, thank you, God, for this gift. Thank you, God, for what you're about to do. And, uh, and so as we share communion this morning together, I want to do it differently. I want to say that if you've broken bread this morning, you've already had communion. As these uh, grapes make their way around, I want them to remind us of Christ's new promise in our lives. The promise that as we talk about Ephesians today, Paul expounds on what they mean for us. But I really want to encourage us to recognize in the breaking of bread our Father's great love, you know? I pray that um, we are ever growing more sensitive to that reality. That it's not something that happens at the third Sunday of the month when we're together on a Sunday morning or maybe even weekly or, or, or it's a special sacred, but it's, it's, it's at that table it happens. I believe that's what Jesus himself taught. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you would and um, uh, we'll have communion this morning. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for the gift uh, of your Son and our Savior, Jesus, who on that night uh, he was going to be betrayed, gave thanks to you. On the night that we would say tomorrow is going to be a bad day, he said, thank you, Father, for your good love. I thank you for the broken body of Christ that he gave so freely. And I thank you for his words to us that every time we do it, Every time we break bread or every time we receive a drink from his cup, we say, thank you, Father. May we be uh, full of grace. I pray this morning for the fathers among us that in our homes we will be full of grace. 
And then when that time comes for our own family to break bread or maybe do some hard things, we would say, thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you for your great love. This morning, we ask that you would dwell with us in this mystery of communion, that we can celebrate you more fully and know you more personally. And may you forever be glorified and forever be remembered. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. morning uh, there's no way to say this but great mystery you know what I mean like I just and I even pray I'm like you know is this uh, are we doing it right but this morning I would invite you to the table of God I mean this isn't our table it's God's table and he welcomes you with open arms he celebrates you as his children he wants you to return to him and and I, I know <laughs> because I know how much he extended himself to each uh, to me and those that, that I know that know him, that he's reaching to you today. So as you are inclined, I would invite you to receive the simple grape this morning as remembrance of the uh, huge gift we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's receive communion together. There's this contrast in my mind between the holiness of God and the very ordinary things he did to demonstrate his love, you know. And uh, I pray that we honor him all the time in that effort uh, of communion. Um, I wanted to start with communion this morning instead of ending with it because we've been studying from the book of Ephesians and Ephesians is written to the church. As a matter of fact, I want to remind you as we start this morning uh, in the word that... Um, Paul addressed the church in Ephesus as the saints. I would argue that if, if Paul were here today, he would say to the saints in Highland. And if you're like me, you would be like, who, me? Me? And Paul would say, yeah, you. The holy ones of God. And so uh, I wanted to begin with that communion meal because that was the assumption in writing to Ephesus, that he was writing to the church, to the faithful, to the believers to those who have given their life to Christ. And um, these words that we receive come from him uh, to us as encouragement and as exhortation or, or uh, you know, calling us forward to be bold. And I, I think on Father's Day it's important that we just recognize the reality of the impact that we have and um, the opportunity that we've been given in Christ to live differently. I think it's an opportunity before Christ we don't have. If I can say it very plainly, before Jesus, we have no way to please God. And in Christ, he is pleased 
And uh, so this morning we're going to talk through some of what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus on how to be holy people. And I think that we are not only um, able, but expected to respond in such a way. So pray with me as we open the word this morning um, and continue giving thanks to God for his gift. Uh, Father, this morning we thank you for your opportunity to come and to learn together. We pray that your word does not return void, uh, that is proclaimed rightly, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth you speak through it. And Father, that of all the things that we watch and all the things we entertain ourselves with and all the things we read, I pray we would make time in our lives for you, that we would let you speak into us and uh, that we could respond in an appropriate way. Uh, May you be glorified. May you give us the, the gift of your spirit to understand today. If we feel like we can't understand your word, may you teach us yourself so that we might know all you are calling us to in Christ Jesus. We pray it in his mighty name. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to go to uh, Ephesians 4. If you've not been hanging out with us, Ephesians 4. It's kind of toward the back of your Bible. It's a letter that Paul wrote to Ephesus. And I'm just going to do a couple of verses this morning, and uh, then we're going to um, just kind of hang out some more. So um, this is where the teaching gets a little tougher, I think, out of Ephesians. But I thought, you know, as coming into Father's Day, I thought this is like a perfect Father's Day text. Um, and that's the way God planned it. And his word speaks to all his people. But this word, for me, really, really hit me pretty hard. And uh, I started to reflect on the roles that we have in our homes, um, both, both mothers and fathers and uh, children as well. So this is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in verse 17 of chapter 4. I now tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have, been given, them, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust or desire for more. And um, I want to stop there and just thinking about what Paul is accusing us of, the church. He, he starts off in verse 17, he says, I insist that you no longer live as Gentiles do. And I think what's striking, and I found as a guy, uh, maybe, I don't know, it's probably true for all of us, but um, in the futility of our thinking, right? In, in this way that uh, the world has taught us to be. Yeah. <laughs> nice job, Cassandra. I saw Graham stand up. He's like, something's happening. Something's happening. <laughs> Somebody's got to get her. Um, but I wonder, do we believe that? I mean, as God's people in the world, do we believe that the world's thinking is futile? Because that's what Paul says. He says all the stuff that the world is trying to figure out is waste. It's futile. As a matter of fact, what he says next is there's no life in it. It's not life-giving. And... Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like a lot of times I buy into the fact that the world has it figured out. If I could only get the right answers from the world, if I could understand the, the latest speaker or, or uh, get the latest concept down. But Paul writes to the church and he says, you should no longer think this way. As a matter of fact, um, it reminds me of what uh, the wisest man ever, Solomon, King Solomon said, when he started his book of Ecclesiastes, he said, meaningless, meaningless, all of life is meaningless. 
Because here's a guy who went out and tried to find everything he could. He had all the land you could imagine. He had every, you know, m- multiple wives, which I don't know, that would be fun, I guess. <laughs> uh, but he had all this stuff that made him so cool. And at the end of it all, he said, it's completely meaningless. It's completely meaningless. Um, it's a futile way of thinking, the way the world is. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse 17, it says, Paul says in 18, that the world is darkened in their understanding. So there's no light in it. It's just kind of, and we're going to see this kind of spiraling effect. And I want to I bring this for a moment because it's important that we understand this as men and women in the world, right? That, that I think if you step back and look at it, you, you, you see it, that it's dark, it's futile. As a matter of fact, he says they're dark in understanding and they're separated from the life of God. They're actually separated in their thinking because of the ignorance, ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. That's a tough word, you know. You just go, what? I mean, they're dark, they're far from God, and they're hard-hearted. And then I realized that in, in our own lives, sometimes we're that way, you know. Sometimes uh, we get these, like, calluses. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think as a guy, a lot of times, like, you think a callus is a good thing, right? It pro- proves you're, like, hardworking, you know? You're, uh, you've earned your keep. You're a tough guy. But, you know, when God talks about hard-heartedness, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good thing to be callous. It's not a good thing at all. As a matter of fact, if we, if we read on in verse 19, the accusation comes full, full power, I think, when he says, now having lost all sensitivity. See, now this is the guys when it starts to really hit me hard because there's times that I sit and I just don't even feel it anymore. Insensitive? Have you ever been called insensitive? I think Chris called me insensitive a minute ago this morning. <laughs> But there's this, there's this hardness that can develop in our lives to where we're not impacted, we're not affected. And, 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 and the world sometimes will champion that. Look how tough you are. Look how, you know, look how strong you are. But Paul says you lose all sensitivity when you're hard in heart. And this is a big deal in Paul's world because he thinks that you should be sensitive to what's happening around you. He says you will lose all sensitivity through your hard-heartedness. There's a word that sometimes that you may throw around, I don't know, you would say, I could care less. I could care less. If you think about what that really means when we say it to somebody, well, what should we do with this situation? I could care less. What about our children? I could care less. What about our, you know, what about this project? I could care less. I could care less. It's not possible. It's, there's nowhere less for me to care because I'm hard-hearted. I'm insensitive. Sometimes it feels like a protective shell, I think. You know, that callousness. (laughs) And we we, we fight through another day. And at the end, you just feel like you're losing the battle. Paul says this hard-heartedness leads us to a place where we lose all sensitivity. But I want you to hear what he says next. And they therefore give themselves over to sensuality and to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Because you see, the world way of thinking 
It's insatiable. It's never satisfied. This hard-heartedness leads to um, an outpouring of filth in our life. And I put that that way for a reason. Because as I dug around on this, the word, of, of, um, the word that he uses here for giving them over to sensuality, sensuality means that uh, they, aren't, they have no moral compass anymore. They have no standards in the world anymore. They, um, she's playing next week though, so <laughs> at least she's ready. Um, but, but the word actually, the word of, of sensuality, you see, well, I, really, I thought like of, of um, uh, you know, sensuality. I mean, I thought of like um, excess or no restraint, and that's true. But it literally means incontinent. That's a good word for Sunday morning, isn't it? Right after breakfast. <laughs> Anybody in the medical field? <clears throat> you know what happens when you're in a hospital and you're incontinent? I mean, it puts you on a bag. Who wants to do that? Who wants to be that guy? Who wants to be the guy that is so hard that filth just comes out? You can't even control it anymore. And Paul says the world's way of thinking leads to this form of incontinence. That's what he says, a pouring forth of filth, a sensuality, unable to control any desire at all anymore. Giving yourself over is the way the word is interpreted. Surrendering to this way of life. And Paul says it should not be this way for the church. Not only this outpouring of filth we see in our life as a result of believing the way the world does, but he also says that we indulge in every kind of impurity. That's funny too that it comes out impurity because the word means no more transformation. The transformation stops. As believers in Jesus Christ were to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Paul says in Romans. And, and we have this idea that you get stuck. And then here's the last. And I just want to be real about this because I think what we see, and Paul says right here, is the thinking of the way of the world that leads us to this place. As, even as followers of Christ, remind you that he's writing to the church. And he says, if the church thinks in the ways of the world, you will see the fruits of this in your life. Lack of transformation, outpouring of filth, giving over to sensuality. And then the very last thing that he says is an insatiable appetite for more. It'll never satisfy. I mean, how many times have you heard that story in your life where they're like, well, I just tried it and it was fun the first time. And then I had to have a little more, a little more. The word actually means that it, it, it ramps up exponentially. You're never going to have enough of it. Paul says that all these things come from the way the world works. That's the bad news. And, and he's writing it to the church, and I feel it myself. I feel that, that there are these things that, that tantalize me that, that the world offers, and I think, oh, if we could just have that, but it's just out of reach all the time. So here's the word of hope. Paul turns in verse 20 and says this, church, you, however did not come to know Christ in that way. Surely you have heard him and were taught in him in accordance with what is the truth that is in Jesus himself. Here's the hope. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desire, and be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self, 
created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Now, this is a crazy verse of Scripture, and I don't know, it gives people trouble because people are like, okay, I believe in Jesus, and that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, you believe in Jesus. He died to save you, to bring you back into communion with God, community with God. But here Paul says, church, your job is to cast off the old stuff. Don't live in those cycles of, of, of um, um, futility. But put on these new gifts in Christ. I think, do you know why Paul is so upset with the church? Because those clothes don't fit anymore. Those clothes that you used to wear, that you thought were the ones, you know, that gave you the status, whether it's your job or, or um, you know, your, your, whatever it was that in your life that gave you meaning. They don't fit anymore as a believer in Christ. And he says, take them off. Don't wear them. And instead, put on the new clothes of your king and our savior, Jesus. To wear the new man. It literally means to walk around in Christ, remembering him. The word says, be renewed in the spirit, the pneuma, pneumatos of your mind. Taking off the old and putting on the new. And so, in our life, this is our call. I say this to you because maybe you've been around the church a long time and there's still sin you struggle with. I know I do. But this word reminded me that our call is to take off the old and to put on the new. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't that one time for that one moment so you can have the card, but it's to transform your whole life. That's what the word says, in the likeness of God, to be like God in righteousness and holiness. This is the purpose that God gave it to us in Christ. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to think about that in your own life. I want you to think about what are the old ways I'm still cycling around. They never satisfy. They lead me down the wrong way. And what is the new way in Christ? What ways has he equipped or placed me in my life that I can glorify him? because of what he has done. Um, so the question, I guess, and then I'm going to wrap up with this, is, is, this will be the final question. Do you see a transformation happening in your life? I mean, do you see things changing? Really changing. And I don't mean you act okay, because Paul is never a fan of acting, neither was Jesus. But do you really go, wow, God, I don't even want that anymore. I don't desire it. I want to be different. Uh, I hope you do in your life. If you don't, Paul says clearly that it's a sign that you're still stuck in the thinking of the world. Even as a believer, you're stuck in the world's way of thinking. And so as we continue in the word, everything that we're going to hear now in Ephesians is going to be, for a while, is going to be, Take off the old and put on the new. Take off the old and put on the new. This is our call in Christ. Take off the old and put on the new. And I, I don't know in your life, you know, like, if you're doing that, do you, do you feel hard-hearted? Or do you have some sensitivity? 
Could you care less? Or are you caring more? Are you all calloused in life? Or are you becoming more, you know, what is the word, supple? That's a manly word for Father's Day. You know what I mean? Can you feel it? Can you feel the reality of what God is doing around you? The truth is that uh, in this call of Christ, God has made us new men and new women in him. And I hope, I pray that together, by his grace, we're seeing this transformation. I, I, think, I think so. And uh, so I'm encouraged. Um, that's the word for today. Um, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And then we're just going to hang out. You can chill, um, eat more, uh, whatever. And uh, we're just going to thank God for this great day. But I'm so glad everybody's here. Pray, please pray with me this morning. Father, this morning we've come here into your house. You know, we always say that into your house, the place you live. We have these sanctuaries we build. Look at the sanctuary that you have for your glory. I pray that like the birds and everything around us that we're singing your praises, I pray like them we would not be so self-centered and egotistical, but we'd realize as your creatures that our call is to trust you and sing glory to you and your provision. I pray, Father, as one that's hard-hearted and as one that's calloused, that you would forgive us for that. That you would teach us to be sensitive. That you would teach us uh, to be men and women after your own heart in this world. That you would be glorified and we would be drawn near to you and conform to your image. And uh, I just thank you so much for this chance to worship you and to hear Paul's words of encouragement to the church. I pray that we could live them out in our own lives and bring glory to you. Bring glory to your name, now and forever. Amen. Um, I'm going to read one more verse of scripture. This is, this is from the disciples after Jesus is resurrected on the road. It comes at the end of the Gospel of Luke. And he's walking along the road, Jesus says, with these two guys. And they're telling him how bad everything has been lately. Like, what a drag. And he says, what are you talking about? And they said, have you not heard what's happened? This Jesus, who's the Messiah, was killed. He's dead. And the word says that they invited him in with them <clears throat> uh, to join them for a meal. And this is, what, this is what's... Okay, I don't think I have the right verse here. <laughs> oh, no, no, here it is, here it is. See, thank you, God. So this is the end. It says this in Luke 24, by the way, if you want to know where we're at, 30. But it says, when Jesus sat at the table with them, he took bread. Here it is, the, ra the raised Christ. He gave thanks, Eucharistod, and he broke it and began to give it to them. And at that very moment, their eyes were opened, and the word says, they saw him for the first time. I hope in our lives we can do that, church. I hope that's my prayer for all of us today that in the breaking of bread, we can see Jesus amongst us.